Good morning, church. Shalom, everybody. Please have a seat and welcome to Church of Our Saviour. It's our communion service this morning. And as always, we welcome all those who are visiting us for the very first time. My name is Daniel, the pastor of the church here. You know, I like to think of us as a family here in, uh, in Queenstown. And Queenstown is a very happening place. So many things happening in this place. I don't know how some of you might have seen the news. Huh? Yesterday, there was a bit of stabbing going uh, actually on that side. Queen's Peak, right? Uh, that's nearer to the other church. <laughs> you know, I mean, things are happening here. You know, just, um, uh, I guess, about a week or so ago, you know, the one of the operators at the uh, Block 38, the hawkers, they, they asked Pastor Chris to bring them climbing. Right, and this uh, the on the, she she saw the photo of Pastor Chris bouldering in his uh, profile picture and said, "Can you bring climbing? You know, brought climbing last week. She came to church uh, at the Chinese service and she accepted Christ. She brought two children. One of the children accepted Christ also. You know, God is doing something here. Right? I don't know about you. I get a feeling that God is moving powerfully in this place. Amen." Amen. I believe that he's doing something wonderful here. There is an opportunity to be seized in this moment. And one of the opportunities is in our SIQ, our springtime in Queenstown. You know, we are not going to do this forever, but this time we are still doing it. If you know anyone who you think never came to church before, don't like coming to church, pluck up your courage. You know, one of the uh, brothers came and told me, he said that, you know, he, he was so afraid to invite people to share the gospel, but that time, he just managed to pluck up his courage, invited his family members to church, and wow, you know, God used the opportunity to open the door, and the father actually accepted Christ. You know, these are things that are happening. I hope that all of us, uh, all of us can seize this opportunity. Right now, you know someone who hasn't come to church before, never come to church, don't like to come to church, your family members, parents, or whatever, just be thick-skinned a bit, invite them, and see what God will do. Amen. He's able to do far above all that we can ask or imagine. Now, we have been talking about hospitality. I said that we must notice people, pay attention to the people around us. I said that we must manifest our compassion. Compassion in your heart huh, doesn't do anyone any good, right? You must manifest the compassion so the people around you can feel your love. And you need to exceed expectations. Do more than people expect of you. Touch your heart. And then I said that these are things that must come from a place of abundance. We talked about that a few weeks back. It must come from a place where you have much in your heart. You are enough. You are not like doing this because you feel very difficult to do, right? And then it must be a place of authenticity. You can't be just doing this because, oh, pastor told me to do that. I must be friendly to people, right? It must be coming from a place where you want to love people. You actually love people. You like people. And then this can only happen if God does a work of transformation in our hearts. So we have been talking about all these things, about how we can be unreasonably hospitable, right? Unreasonable hospitality. We want to be the kind of people, the kind of place where we exhibit this hospitality. And today I want to talk about how we can practice this all the time, but one of the most important places where we need to be practicing this hospitality is actually in the home. That's what we're talking about. Hospitality in the home. Now, hospitality is something that may not come to all of us naturally. For some of us, maybe it's a natural thing, right? It is a second nature to you. But for many of us, it is something you need to do many times in order to become good at it. And this is why you call it discipleship. This is part of becoming a disciple, part of being a disciple. But one of the places where we have to be hospitable is actually in the home. Now, I'm not sure if this is true for you or not, but you tell me. 
sometimes it can be so much easier to be hospitable to people who are outside of the home than it is to people in the home. You think about this for a second, right? Is it easier to share the gospel to someone at home or to someone outside the home? How many of you say it's easier to share the gospel with people outside of the home? How many of you say it's easier to share to your family members, father, mother, like this? Almost nobody, yeah. Right? So I think we can all agree, right? There's something going on here because you know why? The home is where you are, you are most close to people and perhaps you even love them more than any and yet it is the hardest place to exhibit hospitality. And strangely, when it comes to other people, right? Your friends, your colleagues, your churchmates, even strangers, you find it's easy to be kind to them, to say the right things to them, to show them, you know, exhibit some compassion to them. But when it comes to members of our own family, it just gets awkward and difficult. Why is this so? I want to offer you a few reasons to consider. One, proximity. When you are familiar, you're close to people, you notice everything about them. You know the things about your people at home, right? The good things and the bad things. But human nature is such that you tend to focus on the negative things. If I give you a piece of paper and on that paper there's one small black dot, you know what you're going to look at? You look at the black dot. You won't look at all the white here around you. Just the one black dot. And that's the way it is with proximity. When you are very familiar with someone, you become acutely aware of every good thing and bad thing, but you tend to focus on the negative things. And this is unfortunately the case in, in the home. When you are familiar with your family members, you only see the negative things. Jesus said in Mark chapter 6, verse 4, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. This is Jesus saying that, you know, even for Jesus, in his own home, people don't treat him with respect, honor, dignity, and hospitality. Why is this so? You know, I, I guess one reason is because when you see someone every day, you don't notice the good things. You know, my daughter, she's been with me since young until now. She's already 30 years old, right? But when she's young, every day she's growing. Literally every day she's growing. But incrementally, growing a little bit, a little bit, until to me, uh, she's not growing at all. But when you see other people's kids, wow, how come your kids suddenly so tall? Because I never see them, right? Then suddenly I see the, the cumulative growth. But to my own daughter, how come you like never grow on? Uh? Right? This is what happens in our family. You tend to not to notice the good things that happen all the time, 90% of the time, but the one bad thing. I told you already, how many times have you done this thing? Five times already you make these mistakes. Because you notice them a lot. You know, this is why sometimes we have this problem at home. Another reason, being together in a family so long means that there's a lot of accumulated offenses and bitterness, right? I mean, outside you also step on people's toes, but at home you step on the same toes again and again and again. You know, and it's sometimes easy to become very upset with one another. You know, recently, uh, not last year, I was spending six months pastoring in St. John's and Margaret's. I was in St. John's and Margaret's church many, many, many years ago, right? But that six months I was there, I met one lady who came up to me and said, Pastor, I came back to church. I left church five years ago and I came back to church. Of course, I was very happy about that. Uh, I don't know why she left church, but I said, I remember you. You are the youth pastor, right? So, wow, you were here so long ago. Yeah, I remember you. So what do you remember of me? I remember in the car park when you opened the door, you banged my car. Wow. <laughs> 25, 30 years ago, she remembered this thing. Uh. I said, you don't remember my sermon. La. You don't remember my ministry. You don't remember I prayed for you. You don't remember my ministry to our children. You remember I banged your car. You know, this is the way it is. Uh. Uh, in the house, it's also like this. After you accumulate uh, many years, you remember all these things. It sticks with you and you offend one another. Third thing, 
Familiarity can also lead us to take people for granted. Right? Take people for granted. Because you hear this person say the same thing so many times, you assume you know what they're going to say already, and therefore, you only listen to the first part, the end part you don't listen anymore. When I say, uh, can I? I, I know what you're going to ask already. You don't listen anymore. Right? So, we take people for granted. You know, sometimes too much familiarity can breed, they say, contempt. Right? In Bible, actually, there's a verse, Proverb, uh, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17, it says this, Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. I don't know whether you ever read Proverbs. Huh? Very interesting wisdom, right? Don't always go to your neighbor's house because, you know, first time you go to your neighbor's house, ding dong, hi, excuse me, I'm your neighbor. Uh, it's okay, I come and visit you. Or very polite, bring orange and everything. Huh? After you went there for 100 times, uh, you don't even bother ding dong, just open the door, come in like your own house like that, right? And then your neighbor say, I never invite you, but he also finds it to say, then they start to hate you. You take people for granted. Now, it's one thing your neighbor. You can don't set foot in your neighbor's house. What happens with your spouse? Eh? What happens with the same bedroom, same bed? Then can you don't set foot in the same bed? You cannot. You have to live with these people, right? So taking people for granted can become a problem. Sometimes we just don't realize that we make too many assumptions about people. Then we don't communicate. You don't clarify things. You think you know already. I hear always like this. I know what he's going to do. You may not know, right? And of course, conversely, Oh, we'll talk about that later, right? Number four, unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Do you realize that you have higher expectations of those people who are close to you than you have on people who are far from you? Have you noticed this? People you love very much, you have very high expectations of them. You expect them to know your mind. You expect them to know how you think, right? Sometimes, you know, your maybe wife birthday, huh? uh, honey, what do you want me to buy for you? You should know. You should know. But I don't know what. We're guys, guys don't know what this thing and things, right? Huh? Flowers, ah? I'm not going to say. You buy, lah? Well, you know you're in trouble already, right? Because you cannot read their mind. But you know, you have expectations that they can read your mind. You know, friends, this is not magic, ah. It doesn't happen like this one. But when you have high expectations, what happens? You get high disappointment, right? You don't care about me. You bought me the wrong thing. You never say. I ask you. You never say, right? This is very often what happens in the house. We have higher expectations of people who are close to us. And people outside, not the same. You know, I'm not sure about your house. In my house, you have to take your shoes off when you come in the house, right? I know there are some houses where you don't do this. But in our house, my wife cleaned the, uh, mopped the floor. Then she wants us to take off your shoes before you come. Don't dirty the house. In fact, for her, sometimes after I take off shoes, I say, don't step on the floor. Okay, law. Then I fly, law. You know. <laughs> That's why now I got robot. A robot, robot got no expectations, huh? Robot just clean the floor. I step how many times? Robot won't complain, all right. But if a stranger come, uh, let's say a visitor from America come, don't know, step in the house with shoes, she will, ah, just take off your shoes, huh? Very kind, very gentle. If I do the same thing, huh? It's not hospitality. It's hospital, you know. So, I think it's important for us to realize that sometimes we place unnecessarily high expectations of people in the house. By the way, it happens in church also. Christian or Christian, you should not do this. So we have higher expectations of people. And then that leads to higher disappointment of one another. Number five, it's harder to get away with pretending at home. You see, when you are seeing people, strangers out there for one or two hours, it's very easy to put on your best front, you know, just bite the bullet, grit your teeth and smile, even when you don't feel like it. Right? It's a bit like putting on makeup when you go out for the day. You know, you're going out for the day, 
for the few hours that you're out, you can put on your nice makeup, do your mascara, do your hair, everything wear nicely. It's however much, much more difficult to put on makeup before dinner at home, right? To put up dinner before you sit down and watch movie with your uh, husband or with your children. You won't do that one. Much less sleeping, right? Unlike Hollywood, now Hollywood, when they wake up, the hair is perfect, one, the makeup also perfect, one, right? But at home, that's not the way it is, you know. We, it's, it's difficult to be someone else if you don't really have that hospitality in your heart. So this and many other reasons are why sometimes it's very hard for us to be kind to people at home, right? Now, obviously, the home is not always perfect. People are still people. There are imperfections, there are flaws. But because we are so near them, we don't often accord them the same measure of hospitality that you actually might even accord to strangers outside of the house. So when Paul was talking about this, he was talking to his disciple Timothy, he writes, Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older men as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity, honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show piety at home and repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable before God. And these things, command, so this is not an option, it's not a suggestion, it is a command that they may be blameless. <laughs> but if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow, those are like crazy strong words. What is Paul talking about? Well, even without going too deep into it, first of all, you know that Paul is talking about the context of a household. He's alluding, he's talking about Christian behavior in general, but he's using the household as a kind of model. That's why he's talking about fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, right? Widows, parents, children, grandchildren. These are all the relationships that happen within the household. And he's saying that within the household, this relationship needs to be a particular way, right? You have to respect the elders, treat your younger siblings with dignity and with purity. He talks about responsibilities that children and parents, uh, children have towards their parents and grandparents, right? And grandchildren and so on and so forth. These are all just samples, right? He's not giving it exhaustively. He's saying that in a household, there must be something that I will summarize in one word, hospitality. We need to show hospitality to one another. Right? In any direction, up to down, down to up, right? Everyone needs to treat one another in a kind and respectful way. In fact, this hospitality is so important that for Paul, the absence of which disqualifies us as believers. He says you're worse than unbelievers. Wow, I thought well, this is a bit too much, right? Because Paul, you don't know my family which Allah. Right? My parents are very un- don't understand me, or my children are they are very incorrigible and they don't respect old people. You know, Paul is saying in the house. This is what it should be. So, if we will take all the idea, and of course, Paul is not exhaustive. He's just giving some examples. Let's take that and just apply it to Singapore, okay? What does it look like? What does hospitality in our Singaporean context look like? So, I want to suggest to you a few things that it can look like. First of all, hospitality at home looks like patience. Everyone say patience. Not hospital patience, huh? Patience. That's not us. Yeah, I got a lot of patience. Uh, patience means being generous with our time, right? Being generous with our time. Now, listen. I understand Singapore is a very busy place. We all have a lot of things to do. We are all very distracted. We are all bandwidth strapped. 
we don't have a lot of time. When you come back from work, you're already very tired. You want to sit down, you want to take your shower, you want to cook some food, you know, sit down, eat. And then maybe you want to watch your Netflix lah, or, or read your TikTok lah, whatever it is, watch football or something. But then your children comes around you, Daddy, Daddy, I want to show you what I did in school today. Ayah, why must you really show me what you did in school today, you know? And you're hoping there's just one page, right? Oh, whole 20 pages of things that they draw. One by one, they want to describe to you. This one now is mommy. This one is papa. This one, and then can you just jump to the last page or not? Cannot, right? And then we are, I, I, can you faster, faster, right? Become impatient with one another. I mean, this is a very real problem for us when we are not generous with our time. What that means is that you are not as important as what I want to do. That's basically what it means, right? But hospitality means other people are more important than some of them. Not to say that your thing is not important, that your rest is not important, but you choose to prioritize other people. Say other people are important, therefore you will give them time. Patience is something that is very important for us because it takes time for people to get things right. In the Bible, actually, Jesus gave this example. Where am I now? Uh, yeah, be patient with me, right? He says, take heed to yourselves, Luke chapter 17. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day, returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. What happened eight times? You shall still forgive him. Because it takes time to get things right. So you must be patient, generous. Give them time to get it right. You know, I'm one of my problems, normally I have a patience of a saint. Now. I'm very patient with people. But one time when I'm not patient now, is when I'm driving. Right? When I get in the car, something happens, I'm not quite sure. The patience just evaporates. That's why my car got no Jesus loves you sticker on it. Right? I drive to a car, you know, traffic light. I stop in a traffic light. I wait. Usually I count one. I know this traffic light, 26 seconds. Okay. 25, I count 24, 23. One, green, exactly on time. Go. But then the car in front not going up. Go, counting already. You wait anymore, you go change back to red already. Go faster there. I start getting very impatient. Uh. But you know what? I have to control myself. Maybe it's a church member, right? So I must <laughs> relax a bit too, right? But we all need patience. Amen? And more than anything, you need to show patience to your family members, to your parents, to your children, to your siblings. Very important. And sometimes you don't realize it, uh, that you don't know that you're impatient, right? Okay, so first of all, Patience is very important. Now, my dad, you know, he, when he's, uh, before I passed away, he suffered from Parkinson's disease. Now, there are many kinds of dementia, especially as people get older. They have all kinds of problems. Parkinson's is just one of them. In Parkinson's disease, it's a motor degenerative disease, right? So basically, they can't control their, their movement too well. Their hands will start shaking, you know, everything will be very slow. You take a spoon, uh, you know, scoop something, blah, 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 drop, drop, try again. Uh. So you have to be very patient. When they talk, now, in their mind, they have the full sentence, but the words come out in drips and drips, right? So he asked my dad, Dad, you want to, uh, what do you want to eat? In his mind, uh, straight away, I want to eat chakwetel. But the words come out, I, I, I want to. And my mom is very impatient. Uh. Usually by the time I want to, my mom will say, he don't want to eat. Lah. Then, <laughs> gone already. His words cannot come out fast enough. My mom talk very fast, one, right? So after a while, he just doesn't want to talk anymore. When I ask, what do I eat? Don't talk. Because she, he, I, I, my mom would say, he doesn't want to eat already. Then he got no chance to say what he want to say, right? My mom is a little bit impatient, right? So after a while, my dad just stopped talking altogether. Right? Stop talking. My mom became convinced that my dad was mute, cannot talk anymore. 
Until one day, my sister went back to visit the house. And while they were having dinner, my sister suggested, Dad, why don't you say grace? And my mom, before my dad could say anything, he can't talk already. Then my dad opened his mouth. He prayed completely. He can talk. Then my mom realized it's not that he cannot talk. He just don't want to talk to you, right? Sometimes, <laughs> patience is like this, you see. We all need to give, be patient to one another. And very often, uh, we don't realize when we are impatient with people, right? So everyone say patience. patience. Very important, right? Second thing, benefit of the doubt. Okay, Hospital, hospitality at home looks like giving people the benefit of the doubt. Think the best of the other person, not the worst of the other person. Even when we experience negativity from people, you want to not think poorly, you want to think about the best possible outcome. Imagine, you're supposed to meet your mom or your dad, you know, you told them, please come at 3 o'clock. They say, okay, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. Right? 3.15, still not there. 3.30, still not there. 3.45, they say, we're coming soon. Wow, at that time, you're boiling inside already, right? And then you start to think what? Oh, they are so inconsiderate, lah, you know. They don't care about me, lah. They are this, lah, they are that. You're thinking all the worst thing, ah. Actually, you want to give them the benefit of doubt. Say, maybe their car broke down. Maybe they went to the wrong place. Maybe they, you know, think the positive thing. Give them the chance instead of thinking the worst. Because if you think the worst, you will start seeing more things to confirm the bad thing, right? You see, you start to think, oh, they, are, they don't care about me. Then you look across, you see other family meeting. You see, that family, look at how loving they are. My parents don't love me. You will start seeing everything to confirm your negative thoughts. That's just the way it works. Huh? You know what I mean? This is something that we need to discipline. Our mind is part of discipleship. You know, many times we think uh, discipleship, just studying the Bible. This is discipleship, right? So you train yourself to think good things about people. In fact, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, right? Being patient, giving bad this is noble things. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure and lovely, whatever things are of good report, right? Celebrating good news kind of thing. If there's any virtue, valuable things. If there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think about these things. Don't fill your mind with all kinds of toxic things. Uh. People don't like me. Uh. I'm not important. Uh. People have forgotten me. Uh. Don't fill your mind with these things. Think about the good things. And think good things about people. Amen? Third thing, forgiveness. Again, this one we heard many, many times already, right? Forgiveness. But forgiveness comes a bit easier when you lower your expectations about people around you. Don't expect your husband to read your mind. Right? Don't expect your parents to automatically know what you're doing. Sometimes you just be patient and explain to them. Even though you explain to them many times already, it's okay, be patient. Explain to them one more time. Because you know, sometimes people get old, they forget. I also sometimes forget things, right? So I need people to remind me. So be patient, remind people. So when you lower expectations, it becomes a bit easier to forgive them. When we don't forgive people, right? Because we have been accumulating a lot of hurt. You see, I'm, I'm not sure how many of you like to eat steak. Huh? Do you like to eat steak? I like to eat steak, right? So, but there's only one way to eat steak. Steak must be eaten medium rare. Right? Rare one, you, you Dracula, but you know, <laughs> medium rare. Nobody eats steak well done. Man. Eating steak well done is like fighting with a rock like that, okay? But when a steak is cooked for too long, huh, it will become hard. It's not nice to eat anymore, right? Now, same way, uh, your heart is like a piece of steak. Uh. It cooked by pain and hurt and bitterness. You cook and cook and cook. After a while, your heart uh, is like hardened already, right? Calcified. It's become very hard. And then, 
no forgiveness can come out from it, right? But we must be tender-hearted. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, 32. It says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. Don't let this thing be in your heart. With all malice, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgive you. Your heart is tender. Do you know, friends, God's heart to you is very tender. Even after you are disappointed the Lord so many times, disobeyed the Lord so many times, willfully sinned against the Lord so many times, failed Him so many times, broken your promises to God so many times, you know how God's heart to you is? Medium rare. God is still very tender to you, towards you, right? And that is why we must be like this to people. Right? That's basically what the Bible says. So don't let hurt harden your hearts. Be kind towards our people. You know, I used to be very angry with my mom. Because growing up, my mom was, like I mentioned, is quite an impatient person. Very sharp words, talk very fast. Huh? You know, now you know why I talk so fast, right? So, when I was young, I always felt that she was very unreasonable, right? Felt that she was prying my thing, didn't give me privacy. I, sometimes when I'm sleeping, I can see her come into my room, open my diary, and read my diary, you know. So sometimes I'll purposely write things in my diary for her to read. Uh. My mom's like this, like that. You open and see, la, you know, I see. Right? I think you're so selfish, you don't think about me, you think about you. And when I was young, I was a very angsty young man like this. Uh. But then when I became a Christian, I started to realize, you know what, I'm also quite selfish. Uh. I can also be quite unreasonable uh, about that. And therefore, maybe I didn't understand my mom. I'm sure my mom loved me. I'm pretty sure my mom loved me. Right? But she is the way she is because she grew up a certain way. She was the oldest of all her siblings. She had to put them through school. She had to work hard. She had to be a very tough and very hard person just to survive. I never had to do that. So I think, you know what? Maybe I didn't understand my mom. I was not very compassionate. Today, as I look back, I give in to her. She's still like that. She's still a little bit impatient. Older now, mellow down. But now I say, Mom, whatever you want, I, I just do for you. It's okay. I'm no longer angsty because what? I already learned to forgive, right? I learned to give. In fact, I want to suggest to you one more thing. What is better than forgiving? What is better than forgiving is pre-forgiving. Pre-forgiving. You know, you got pre-relievers, right? This pre-forgiving. What is pre-forgiving? Uh? I tell you, you know, many people quarrel there. I told you, I knew it. I knew you were going to come late. Or I knew it. I knew you were going to forget the thing I told you to do. I told you to buy five things. I knew you were going to forget. Or I asked you to bring this. I knew it. See, look, if you already know the person is going to commit the sin, huh? Then you pre-forgive them. Since I knew it, I'm going to forgive you first before you do it. Right? So when you do it, I'm like, okay, it's okay. I already forgiven already. Right? And if for some amazing reason that fellow didn't do it, he really remembered everything. Wow! Then you got bonus forgiveness. Right? So I think one way you can learn to forgive people is to forgive people in advance. Right? Knowing full well that people are not perfect. Cut them some slack. It's okay one. Right? When people are late, I'm, you know, I'm just one stickler for time. I'm always on time, right? In fact, I'm not only on time, I'm early. Usually I'm early. But most people will be at best on time. Right? And if they are late, I pre-forgive them. How much time should I pre-forgive them? 15 minutes? 20 minutes? Ah, pre-forgive them a lot. Okay, I'll suggest to you, be kind to people. Right? Okay, next thing up, very important. Words. Hospitality at home looks like words. Words are so 
powerful. They are so small things, but they are so powerful. In fact, John, uh, James, I'm going to jump one slide to slide number nine. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of sin or iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the cause of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. My goodness, I don't know what James must have experienced to write this thing. But words is so powerful. And it is indeed very powerful. In the household, sometimes we are quite careless with our words, right? We say things that you will never say in front of your boss. You never say in front of your colleagues, but at home, sometimes we will utter words that we, will, we shouldn't utter to one another, right? And it becomes very hurtful. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out from your mouth. The word corrupt here means rotten. Let no rotten word proceed out from our mouth. But what is good and necessary for edification. You know, sometimes when we say cutting words, it's because we are hurt, you see, right? When someone did something wrong to us, we want to say something, or someone perhaps didn't acknowledge us and we feel slighted or we are disappointed. The temptation is we don't want to whack the person. Obviously, you, we are not violent people, right? When, let's say someone disappointed you. You're not going to take up a hammer and just wallop the floor. First of all, you go to jail for doing that, but you won't do this because you want to seem respectable. So how do you do it? You use words, right? Your words sometimes can look very nice, but it's laced, uh, it's laced with unkindness, right? It laced with poison or toxic. And sometimes we call this passive aggression. Passive aggression means you do something by doing nothing. Uh, right? You do like nothing. Okay, la, you win, la, whatever you want, you do. La. right? Sounds like you're okay with it, but actually you're not okay with it. right? It's passive, but it's aggressive. right? Sometimes we also call it sarcasm. Sarcasm, you know sarcasm, right? Chinese families, sometimes a lot of sarcasm, right? Say, wow, you're so clean. Ah. What they mean is you're so not clean. right? But the, the words itself, you just look at the words, it's correct. But the meaning and the tone behind the words are, is no good. And a lot of times, sometimes we are in the habit of using sarcasm on people. That is no good. These are things that do not edify one another. Right? In fact, you hurt one another bit by bit. The other person know that he's being hurt but you don't know how to say back then you collect, collect, collect then later you have bigger problems words are very important so we need to say words of encouragement words of thanks to one another right such an important thing in fact set on fire by hell sometimes right so let's make sure we get it right fifth thing do fun things together right hospitality at home means what I mean by do fun things together think about what will make other people happy now, normally you don't think about this, right? You don't normally think, go home and how am I going to make my wife happy? How am I going to make my husband happy? How am I going to make my father happy? You don't normally think about this. But why don't you start thinking about this? Why don't we think about how we can exceed people's expectations and consider them? Think about something for them, big and small things. Just the other day, this week, I was uh, actually uh, having a dinner with my wife downtown, right? And we were in some hawker center. After finished hawker center uh, food, I wanted to get an orange drink and my wife wanted to go and buy something. I said, okay, you go and buy something. I'll go and get to the orange juice machine which is all the way at the other end of the building 
And because I want to drink orange juice. Okay, so she went away. I went my way. I walked all the way, far end of the building, high and low, finally found the machine. It's one of those machines, you know, right? You have to scan the thing, uh, punch the thing. Then after that, you wait. The machine will start turning slowly. One orange, two orange, three orange. Make sure it don't cheat you, right? All the orange there. Then you get your drink. So after waiting for a few minutes, I finally got my drink. Boom! I'm drinking my orange. I'm very happy. Now I'm walking back to where my wife was, right? When I almost reached that place, suddenly I realized, hey, I only bought orange for myself, right? And then half finished already. I never buy anything for my wife. But here's the problem. Now I'm so far from the machine all over again, right? And I start thinking, maybe my wife don't want the drink. Lah. Maybe it's possible, right? But then I say, no, that is not the right thing to do, right? The right thing to do is, I should get her a drink. So you know what? I did the right thing. I turned around. I walked all the way back to the other end of the building. I waited for the machine, one orange, two orange, three orange. <laughs> Finally, I got one orange. I was walking back. I was so happy with myself. You know what? I feel like a Christian today. You know? So I'm doing the right thing. Finally, I get there and my wife sees me. I give her the orange, you know. And you know what she did? Nothing. She take and drink, oh. Right? She didn't say thank you. Uh. She didn't say, oh, husband, thank you so much for thinking about me, you know. That was so hospitable, right? Maybe, I was thinking, maybe it was to her it's a reasonable hospitality that didn't warrant a thanks. But you know what I did? Benefit of the doubt. In my mind, I say, you know, I know she didn't say thanks, but I know in her heart she's saying, thank you, you're the best husband. I know. Uh, <laughs> right? I'm thinking, in her heart she's saying, this orange is so good, vitamin C is good for my health. You know, the more I think about this, the more happy I become, you know. <laughs> Even though she didn't say anything. You got to think about other people. You understand? Know small, small things like this. Don't do things just because people will thank you for it. Do it even if they don't thank you for it because it's the right thing to do. Amen? So I want you all to think. Uh, do something for it. You know, uh, yesterday I was having lunch in Holland, one, uh, Holland, uh, Holland Village Mall, right? And while I was there eating uh, lunch you know, with my wife in a, in a small restaurant eating fried rice, uh, and suddenly I saw one of my neighbours walk by. And my neighbours was walking by and he was with a woman a lady, then I thought this lady looked very familiar. I thought, could it be a church member? So, you know what I did? I put down my, I told my wife, he continued eating. I ran out of the restaurant, went outside there, hey, greet her, hi, shake, shake hands, you know, hi, by the way. Hey, who is this lady who's next to her? And I was thinking, do you know each other? Because in my mind, this could be a church member. How come my, mem- my neighbor knows a church member? Then she said, no, no, this is my wife. I said, huh? Then, then I suddenly occurred to me, oh, yeah, 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 she looks familiar because she's staying in my same block, not because she's church member. <laughs> so a bit awkward, lah, but uh, then I, in my mind, I said, I hope they all become church member. They're easier for me to don't get confused between the two, right? Then he started introducing himself. Oh, by the way, you know, we've been staying together nearly 20 years. I never got your name. So we introduced ourselves, you know. And after that, okay, bye, you know. We're very happy to get to know him. I came back and sat down with my wife. I oh, said, a bit embarrassing. I thought church member. Actually, it's not church member. Let's continue eating. Next thing I know, he's tapping me on my shoulder. He said, hey, by the way, we also came to the same restaurant to eat. Wow, what a coincidence. Okay, they sit down over there. And then I thought to myself, you know what? I should do something for them, right? I should do something for my neighbor. I should exceed expectations for someone so close because when people are so near you you never think about them sometimes you forget to think about them ironically so you know what I want to pay for their lunch right I want to pay for their lunch but of course I got service to come to because Saturday afternoon service so I wait, wait finally I went over they still haven't finished ordering that's why I couldn't pay I ended up not paying for their lunch because they order too slow right <laughs> pro tip next time order food faster right so 
but I'll do something for them next time. You know, but it occurred to me, you know what, sometimes it's just a small thing we can do. And you know what, when we do these things, it's not just a good work. What you're actually doing is you're investing in bringing the kingdom of God into those relationships. The way I see in my mind is, every time you do something like this, every time you forgive somebody, it's not just you forgiving that person. What you're kind of doing is that you're taking a brick from heaven and you're adding one brick in that relationship, building the kingdom of God in that relationship. Every time you are patient with your father or with your children, what you're doing is you bring one more brick to your house from heaven and you're building the kingdom of God in the house. You're investing in the kingdom of God in those relationships, especially in those relationships close to you. And that's why we want to do that, right? Last Friday and this coming Wednesday, Kuz actually organized a lunch for all retired pastors. You know, there are, I, I personally, Chris and me, we have been calling and contacting people. I personally called nearly 100 retired pastors, not all from Kuz. Some are Anglicans, others are Methodists, Bible Presbyterian, Baptists, you know, all the different denominations. Because these pastors have been forgotten, right? They have been forgotten by most people. After retired already, nobody check on them. And many of them, when I call them, they are very suspicious at first, probably because of a lot of scam going on. According, Hi, by the way, uh, Pastor so-and-so, I say, what do you want? Oh, no, no, I don't want anything from you. I just want to ask you for lunch. What do I need to do to go for this lunch? You don't need to do anything. Just come and sit, fellowship. Then suddenly, the tone change, right? Very often, they suddenly become tender. Huh? You mean you're just doing it to remember us? I'm so touched because nobody has called me for a very long time. And then I'll apologize. I say, I'm sorry, we should have done this earlier. Don't know why we never thought about that. Maybe I was younger at that time, I didn't know, right? But now we remember you. Would you come for lunch? This is just for you. We arrange a very nice, expensive lunch for them in a you know, special place where we just cater the dining for them. And all these pastors, last week was about 40 pastors came. These people have been forgotten. In fact, when I called some of them, they said, I can't come because my eyesight is going. Right? I'm losing my vision. Another one said, oh, now I can't come because I'm wheelchair bound. Right? So they couldn't come. Another one said, tell me, Pastor, I want to come. I really love this idea. I'm so warm and touched. But you know, I'm at this age where every five minutes I must go to the toilet. I don't even go to church because I don't want to disrupt people. And then we spend the next 20 minutes talking about adult diapers. I realized that nobody talked to them. So hospitality doesn't even have to cost you anything. They just need you to talk to them. Be patient with them. Give them the generosity, the gift of time and attention, right? Being understanding with them. You know, they are so thankful. So after we did, we, all, we managed to invite all together about 70 old pastors or so, right? But what about those who couldn't come? Then me and Pastor Chris, we need to do something for them. That would be the right thing to do. That's the hospitable thing to do. Am I right? Right? And you know what? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16, it tells us that, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Jesus says, this is the first commandment with a promise. When you show hospitality, in this case to your parents, but I think more broadly in a home, you attract God's blessing. I don't know how many of you want the kingdom of God to come to your house. You know, sometimes it's not through some miracles or anything. It's sometimes coming through hospitality. When you do that, you're building God's kingdom 
in a day-by-day, step-by-step, brick-by-brick way in your very own home. Can you say amen? So in summary, right? The power to, you can't change many things, but this thing you can control, your hospitality. And believe me, your hospitality has great power to transform the world and it will transform you. In fact, I like to think, I forgot to mention earlier, the home, the home is your classroom, your authentic classroom for discipleship. It's your authentic discipleship classroom. That's where you learn to become a disciple, right? That is your character gym. You know, some of us uh, go to gym, we want to exercise because you want your six-pack, right? I got one pack, maybe possibly two-pack, but you really want to buy a six-pack of beer, right? But nobody uh, gets into a good shape by reading a book only, right? Imagine you study, do Bible study, right? Just studying, wow, you know everything, wow, how many, uh, what kind of exercise to do, sit-up must do, pull-up must do, you know, L-sit must do, and you read all these things, planking, and you know what, just reading uh, won't happen. You also do not become fit by watching videos of other people exercising, right? You watch a video, wow, this guy gives testimony on how he did, and he show you how he pull up how many times, and sit up how many times, wow, wow. You know, in fact, after watching all this, if anything, you get fatter. Because you don't sit, you don't do anything, you just sit there and watch it. The only way you can become fit as a disciple is by doing it. It's by exercising it. And the place where you exercise the most is actually in your house. That's why I say your house is actually your character gym. Right? Think about it. The challenges that you experience in a house is your gym. It's like the weights that you carry. It's not easy. But the more you do it, the stronger, the better shape you become as a disciple. Amen? So this is why I like to suggest to you that, in fact, this is the place where you practice so that when you go to heaven, you're going to be with one another forever. You know, it's a very long time. You can't even live with one another for 10, 20 years. Ah. Imagine what you'll be like in eternity. You'll be living hell for you. Lah. The only saving grace is heaven is very big. Ah. Maybe you go to one corner, they'll go to another corner, cannot see each other. But this is where we become like Christ. So in summary, three things. Ah. One, you attract God's blessing when you show hospitality at home. Right? You, you literally bring the kingdom of God into your house. How? Yes, of course you pray, but when you show the love of God, you literally changing the atmosphere in the house. It is the first commandment with a promise. Number two, you disciple your heart to become more like Christ when you show hospitality. Right? Hospitality is not just for people, it's also for you. You're training yourself to be more like Jesus and less like your fleshly carnal man. Right? So do it. Third of all, you're investing in building the kingdom of God in your own home when you do this. Every time you choose to be patient, every time you say a good word instead of a cutting word, instead of uh, allowing your words to be like toxic, you're bringing the kingdom of God. Every time you choose to forgive somebody or even pre-forgive somebody to lower your expectations and be kind to them, you're bringing another bit of the kingdom of God into your household. Every time your words, your forgiveness, your patience, all these things, you're building the kingdom of God in your house. You know what? This is an amazing strategy that sometimes we don't talk about enough, right? So today I want to suggest, why don't you think about who you can do some of these things for? I'm, nowadays, I'm every day thinking, I'm talking to my wife, say, hey, wait, wait for a while. I want to do something for this person. Or if someone gives me something, I'm thinking, hey, who can I bless with this one thing or other thing? Then maybe some people give me cookies. Yeah, of course, I can eat the cookies, but if I eat the cookies, then this will grow. But if I give the cookies to somebody, then the kingdom of God will grow, right? And I kind of want that letter a bit more. So I'm thinking about this all the time. I want you to think about how you can do this, starting from your home. 
I know that, you know, sometimes it can be quite... I'm not saying that everything in the home is hunky-dory, right? Some households are just basically dysfunctional. People are broken. True, often no fault of their own. They just brought up in certain circumstances. They live through lives in such a way that they may have become a particular person that people don't particularly like. Sometimes they are just difficult. It is true. Even so, you can still try to be hospitable to them. Think the best of them, right? So maybe your household is one of those places where it can be quite a painful place. But you know what? Ask for God to give you power. This is your gym. Lah. You are lifting that 100 kg thing. Ah. You're, it's not easy, but you're training yourself to be stronger. I also know that for retirees, you think that after 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, ah, everything will be nice. Very often it's not, you know, because after you retire, when you are working, you can go to office, complain to all your colleagues. After you retire, you've got nobody to complain to. You always complain to your wife about your wife, right? So, cannot be like this. Maybe the wife, before that, you got the whole house to yourself, husband working, right? Children grow up already. You just clean yourself, clean the house, uh, make the house nice and clean. Now, husband is every day at home messing things up all the time, as fast as you can clean. You know, it's very easy to become impatient and irritated with one another. This is why we got to bring hospitality in the home. Amen? Amen? Must be patient, kind to one another. Tender-hearted, huh? medium rare. Alright, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you. Lord, you call us to be a family. And even though we are in the family of God, in this community here, we also have our own houses that we go, households that we return to. Lord, today we want to pray that we can bring this unreasonable hospitality into our households. So there presence of God will enter, Lord. We will bring the kingdom of God through our hospitality to our, our family members. Father, give us grace because for some of us, our families might be a place where things are quite challenging for us. And I know we struggle with many, many relationships within the household that maybe last for many 10 years, 20 years and accumulated hurts. But today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just wash away all of these hurts, release them so that our hearts will become tender once again, Lord. It will not become toxic and hardened, Lord, that we will be tender-hearted towards everyone around us. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. Amen.